Hey, I'm Sean. And I'm Clayton, and we are men who like men who like movies. We're two queer men who love movies and love talking about movies. And after a lot of urging, we started a podcast. What'd you pick out for us to watch this week, Sean? Oh, I picked one of my favorite movies of all time, which I know I say that all the time, but this is a this is definitely one of them. Um, this is one of the first movies uh, I ever watched with my dad. We love this series well most of it <laughs> and uh i just it's held such a special place in my heart for so long um i picked 1984's the terminator it's also what started my uh my obsession with james cameron <laughs> good choice <laughs> well that and aliens i think i saw the two of them at like the same time i think we rented both from the library and i was just like oh my god these are so good well, we didn't rent Aliens, because that one I watched on TV, but we did rent The Terminator. He might have closed my... I think he cl- covered my eyes at the boobs. Um, <laughs> 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 um, but but we are not alone. We have a returning guest today. Well, not a guest of the podcast, but our first ever interview. We have Heather Wixon, managing editor of Daily Dead and writer of the Monsters Makeup and Effects series. Hey, how are you doing, Heather? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me back. This is exciting. Absolutely. We love having you. We really do. Yeah, thank you for coming. <laughs> well, thank you. I uh, appreciate so, it. Good. So uh, what did what made you choose the Terminator? Um, because it rules is I think yes. it's probably the biggest thing, but it's it's a movie like I'm significantly older than you both of you. So I, this is a movie that I saw in theaters as a child Oh, awesome. and it absolutely terrified me, but it also made me, it was one of those first movies where like I became obsessed with the idea of special effects. Like once I realized, like after being told like that wasn't real like that wasn't a real robot you know those things don't exist yet um like and then there was i feel like there was like an an, an article in either like like people magazine or like a paper or something like that and that was like my introduction to stan winston and i think from there it was just like this thing of like oh wow this guy's cool he made a like this killer robot um and i will say like <laughs> throughout my career i've actually been fortunate enough to be able to uh celebrate stan's work and the work of his crew that he had there uh over the years at stan winston studios and i just i guess I'm, ultimately though i was just looking for a really good excuse to rewatch the terminator <laughs> so, it seemed like a great it just seemed like a great reason you never need an excuse. It's always a good time to watch The Terminator. <laughs> Very true. I was going to say, I, I try and make it at least a once a year trip to uh, to, to Los Angeles 1983. <laughs> Four. 84. <laughs> hey, 84. it can be a little bit of both. <laughs> uh, how about you, Clayton? What's your relationship to Terminator? Oh, wow. Um... I really don't remember when I first saw this. I know I didn't see it when I was a kid, so I was probably a teenager. Um, but I always really liked it, and I've really enjoyed the franchise. Uh, even the bad installments I still had fun with. Um, they're just fun action movies. I really enjoyed them. I was glad you picked this, because I was like, oh, I haven't watched The Terminator in a minute. Um, 
and now I just want to watch the rest of them. <clears throat> I will agree with most of that statement. <laughs> I don't want to watch past like three. <laughs> Eh, maybe two. I I have to be in a mood for the other ones. Um, I'm not gonna lie. I it, there's a lot. There's you're right. They are a lot of fun. Um, Dark Fate kind of hurt my heart a lot, so I don't I don't want to watch that. I again. loved Dark Fate. Oh, it's so Gen- good. Like, Genesis is the one that hurt my heart the most to watch. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh no, God, with Genesis out there. Oh no. Even Ugh. Salvation, I, I was, here, here's the thing with Salvation, because um, it was actually one of the first movies I watched after officially moving to LA, because I remember people were moving me into my, into my apartment, and then I took everybody to see a movie afterward, and we saw, we saw uh, Salvation, and it was just like, oh, and the thing that bugged me the most about it is that the really great reveal in that movie is ruined in the trailer. Right. So what's supposed to be a surprise, you're like, wait, this has zero impact now. Because we've already seen it in the trailer and everything, um, oh, but I actually yeah. really liked Dark Fate. For I, I just thought it was like a really kind of because like I think the Terminator movies, as you get along in the franchise, like the timeline starts to get a little fuzzy. We're kind of breaking some rules, and this sort of felt like it went back to some of like the simpler rules. I get that people don't like, you know, the Terminator being like a guy who you know lives in a cabin somewhere and like has a normal life. Kind of oh, thing, I like Dark Fate. See, for me, it's not that. Um, and I'm going to give a little bit of spoiler, so jump, jump ahead a little if you want to. Um, but I don't like the beginning um, because I think it kind of lessens the emotional impact of the first two um, in a lot of ways. Because for me, I think Terminator 1 and 2 are just such a perfect story. Like, the, like there's such, 2-2 is such a perfect combination or a uh, perfect continuation of the first movie. And it, just the ending of it, it's it never needed anything more for me. Like, I think it's just to take all of the emotional heft of that storyline, which we will cover that one, too. So I'm sure we'll get more into that later. But like the entire heft of the storyline um, that you that you have spent all of the time with, the, like these characters, you've come to love them. They've sacrificed so much for the end of it. And then for it all to just be like, oh, well, eh. You know, you know, like, like, and I understand why, like, I'm not, I'm not like, I don't think it was a badly made movie. I think it's fantastic. Like the action was fantastic. And I absolutely love Mackenzie Davis. I think she's a fantastic, she's a great actress. I like her a lot. Um, But for me, like, it was just the beginning of it. It really did kind of like, I was like, oh, well, this kind of like, it, 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 it feels like a bookend to everything like everything that mattered in the first two movies matters none at all now because of this. So here's here's my funny admission, by the way. Uh-huh. I've actually never seen T2 the entire way through, which I'm going to fix tonight after we're done. Oh, 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 oh. oh my god. I am I am in shock. Wow. I have never been more shocked by a statement from anyone since we have been doing this. <laughs> I know. Well, so I saw it like on a date um like in high school um because it was like i it was it it came out originally in 91 but they were doing like a fun screening of it in 92. um and by 91 my mom was in a weird churchy phase so we didn't i didn't get out to much r-rated stuff then um but they had a really fun screening of it in 92 and so i went with this guy that i was dating 
and we might have made out a lot doing it. And so I just <laughs> never, I saw, I've seen a lot of it. Like I can put together the pieces of it and I know certain like key points of it. Right. But to actually sat down and watched it from beginning to end, I've actually never done that. Oh. And I feel terrible. So we're fixing that tonight. Oh, gotcha. Um, I will hold you to so that because you... for you are so into special effects and T2 Judgment Day is like I've watched a, a lot standard of standard I've actually watched the I know, and that's the funny thing. It's like I've actually watched the behind the scenes on T2 a ton of times to prepare for different interviews and things like that. Um, so it's, I've, I've actually watched the special features more than I've actually watched the movie. Which oh is my so God. Crazy. I'm, I that know. is so funny, but I just can't believe that you have not seen T2. <laughs> oh, yeah. I know. Like, I saw the beginning and parts and, you know. So if we record for T2 and you like it, do you want to come talk about it? <laughs> sure. <laughs> okay. I mean, we'll I'm sure to... I'm gonna love it. Right. Yeah, I'm sure I'm gonna love um, it. But you, there's there's quite a few movies, maybe in the '90s, that I've had to go back and rewatch. So. Uh, <laughs> no, I just uh, no. It's I think you're really gonna like it. Um, if you love the Terminator, which I know you do, um, like it, it really is a continuation of this movie. In a I lot think of ways, it is very it much one of those rare. On sequels that is better than the original um i see i love i love both of them so much but i in a lot of ways i do think yes the second one is better than the first one but i have just such a love for this movie that like i think i don't know it's so hard there's it's literally they are a hundred percent like they are in my top like and it's kind of like alien and aliens don't make me decide between the two <laughs> like like it, it is the sophie's choice of having to decide which one i like better but yeah there's such an emotional heft to that movie that like you don't like uh, it's just so well done so in a lot of ways like and that's one of the things that why Dark Fate didn't work for me is like, I think once you see it, like, and I don't know if it'll resonate with you as much as it did with me, like, but I've seen it since I was, you know, since I was young, and it's always just been one, like, I just absolutely love the movie. And so, uh, and I'll have to pick your brain on it. But like, it, it, it just takes a lot of these two movies away, in my opinion, because it takes away a lot of some of the worth um gotcha. which and so for me when i saw it i literally had to when i saw dark fate and i i promise we're not talking just about dark fate we just need to talk about this part um like what would like when i saw that part in dark fate i was like oh my i had to pause the movie because i like i didn't get a chance to see it in theaters because i was so busy but if i did i don't think i would have been able to stay because i was like <gasps> what <laughs> i literally you would have walked out of terminator dark fate that's so funny <laughs> i think i might have like and I, I don't i just wasn't like a i was not emotionally ready for it like i was i don't know what i was expecting but i wasn't expecting that and like i should have because it's james cameron and you know like the older they get the more they like to play with their legacies him and ridley scott um and <laughs> And so it's very like I should have been expecting something like that, but I don't know. It just it 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 deadened some of the impact for me. So um, it was like the Alien Covenant for you. Like, uh, no, nothing is like the Alien Covenant for me. Ew. <laughs> um, <laughs> you 
you want to get Sean, you want to make Sean triggered and mad. (laughs) (laughs) You talk about either James Franco or or the Alien Covenant. Both of them are things that make me angry, (laughs) irrationally so. But yeah, I think once you see it, I, I I'm gonna and I'm gonna pick your brain about this when probably tomorrow. <laughs> I'm just gonna be like, did you get the chance to see it? <laughs> oh but, yeah, I will. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's um, it, I, it, I in a lot of ways, T two is better than the first one. So I it it I just I absolutely love these movies. So that one was a little uh, that was a hard blow. <laughs> but yeah, when we get I back get to it. the the series. <laughs> <laughs> the, the movie we're talking about um yeah i was gonna say the terminator i just think is it's just such a great franchise like it's a lot of yeah some of them aren't good and it does get a little bit um wonky wibbly wobbly wibbly wobbly timey wimey stuff um but like i do think they're just so much fun and i think the first two are two of the best movies ever made i would agree with that yeah, they're very I well mean... very well done yeah, I think that's somebody I mentioned when I was talking about Terminator on Twitter and I, you know, something about like, you know, James Cameron doesn't miss. And I was like, he never has. And I don't think he ever will. Because even if you don't love like the first Avatar, like you can't discount the, the crap. Well, apparently Fast and Furious just started outside of my building. Um, <laughs> so you but you can't dismiss the craft in which with that movie was made. Like, yeah, maybe it's like made for mass audiences. But like, is there anything really wrong with that in this day and age when everything sort of feels like you either have art house niche movies or comic book movies. Like maybe you just have a movie that the entire family can go to and everybody feels like they're being entertained. Yeah. Like there's nothing wrong with that. And I do remember going and seeing Avatar in 3D in 2009 and like having a blast with it. Is it the most yeah. you know world world changing story? No, it's like no. an amalgamation <laughs> of like ten different stories. But like that movie on a visual level still like blows me away and what they did with 3D. So like. I I don't think I've ever seen a James Cameron movie that I've completely d- outright disliked. Uh, I mean, James Cameron, there are two movies that, you know, if I still had cable that I would play no matter if they were on and I saw that they were on, regardless of where they were at, if they had commercials or not, I would stop what I was doing and watch them and finish them. One of them is The Hand That Rocks the Cradle. The other one is True Lies. I don't think he's saying that Excellent. the hand that rocks the cradle was uh, James. No, I was just saying one of, <laughs> yeah, one like, of the two, one of the two, one of the two, mo- <laughs> one of the two movies I will always just finish is a James Cameron film. Okay, that makes more sense because you said the Sorry. two movies I will always stop, start to finish. And I was like, I don't think I was James just Cameron did. In, the I was putting in context, cable. but didn't make it clear. <laughs> True Lies, James Cameron, hand that rocks the cradle, not James Cameron. both always (laughs) worth watching (laughs) so would you guys recommend this movie i think that's a yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) i agree you i would absolutely recommend this movie so you ready to get into the to the meat and potatoes of it sure yeah by the way when you really quick when you said that like the hand the rocks cradle I actually looked for a second because I was like, well, maybe he produced it or something. Because I was like, wait, because I don't think most people realize that he wrote Rambo First Blood Part Two. Yes. Like, I think people completely forget that all the time because he was originally, Stallone was one of the people he wanted for the Terminator. and They became friends and Cameron turned around and wrote the script with, with Sylvester Stallone, which is pretty awesome. 
Mm-hmm. What's funny about that? I did find that out recently. Sean asked me that right before we started recording. If I had known about that, I just recently went through. I had never seen any of the Rambo films. A lot of movies from the eighties, I missed out on because honestly, the um, outfits kind of freak me out and takes me out of the story a lot of the time. But the past like month or so, I've been going through a lot of the you know late seventies, eighties action franchises, and so I just watched all the Rambo movies in a row. And as I watched each one, I was, you know, looking into them and finding out stuff. So I found that out and I was like, that's super weird. But um, yeah, I love that. So I didn't know that. But yeah. And Rambo 2 is fun. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my my gosh. That's so much fun. (laughs) I've been loving my 80s action journey. Loving it. Yeah. And I never thought this would happen because Clayton used to. No, like I would. I would like refuse to watch 80s movies for the most part. I was like, like, why haven't you watched all of these movies he's like oh i just can't stand the hair and i'm like last night i watched ghostbusters for the very first time in my life i mean you could literally just make an entire summer out of just watching uh schwarzenegger action movies because nothing beats that we actually we actually did that last summer um and watched like we watched a bunch of i mean we watch a lot of his stuff anyway but it was like you know we went through like a whole phase of like commando terminator um Total Recall. Run, running, Total Recall, Running Man. Um, oh, running Man. Nice. Yes, True Lies. Like, you know, so there's there's, there's a lot of fun to be to be had. Even the first Conan, like, I was something that I grew up with, and I hadn't watched it since I was a kid, so that was interesting. Yeah, I've seen um, the Conan yeah. remake, but I've never seen the originals. I haven't seen Total Recall yet. Um, I did watch Total Command. Mm-mm. It's in It's oh. in my thing of, like, I need to watch this. Oh, on my voodoo, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know if it's in your voodoo, but it's it's somewhere in my watch lists <laughs> to watch. To watch, but yeah, I've watched the Rambo's. I watched all the Lethal Weapons, all the Diehards, uh, Commando. What else have I been? I've, I've oh the first two Mad Max. I've been having a blast. I'm like, I think I'm kind of an '80s fan now. <laughs> I'd seen like a lot of the you know required '80s horror text but as far as other movies in the 80s a lot of them i hadn't seen and uh, i think i've finally gotten over the outfits and hair and it's just a good time of the good time at the movies all of them now do you understand why i love them so much (laughs) i do i do i never thought i would say this but i really do understand it i can't even tell you right now how old i feel I can't even tell you how, how old I feel right now, so it's cool. It's totally cool. No, I, I mean, I was uh... things from the '90s are now considered classics. Where I'm like, what? No. Yeah, that fre- no. that freaks the me out. I was born in, I was born in '88, um, so I'm still younger. But yeah, the stuff in the '90s being old freaks me out. Um, yeah. Wait till you hit <laughs> the point like, where like no. movies that came out the year. Yeah, when the movies that came out the year you were born start turning 40, that's when it gets real. <laughs> oh, so, getting close. That's just a little peek into your future, so. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for that Thanks. so Something much. Something to look forward to. <laughs> yes, I am the Kyle Reese of aging, and this is what you have to look forward to. Um, yeah. Are you the Kyle Reese or the ghost of Christmas past? <laughs> a little bit of both. A little bit of both. <laughs> oh, all righty. So, uh, 
we're going to go into a little bit of a production. Director is, of course, James Cameron. Uh, written by James Cameron, uh, Gail Ann Hurd, and William Wisher, with music by Brad Fidel. And special effects by Stan Winston. And the Fantasy 2 is the one who did the stop motion. And... Oh my gosh, what was the only one? Why did it disappear? <laughs> if I can check my own thing. While you're, oh, while uh, you're stop looking. Stop motion in the oh. 2029 sequences. Go ahead. Brad Fidel also did the music for Terminator 2 and True Lies. Uh, also and, uh, Fright Night. And there's a lot of Fright Night in this score. That is true. There is a lot of Fright Night in the score. I never because realized I was that. Listening. Yeah, wow. there's a few sequences where I was like, oh, this is when Amy wakes up at the end. Oh, this is anytime they're in Jerry Dandridge's house, and I was like, "Oh wow, okay." It uh, it was it cut a little closer than I remembered. <laughs> oh man, it's been a while since I watched Fright Night. Now I need to rewatch. Yeah, Fright, I haven't Fright watched Night. Fright Night in forever. Okay, all right. It'd be, it'd be a very interesting double feature. Yeah, I was gonna say very. I think I think I would start with Fright Night and work my way into the the, the Terminator. <laughs> Just so I could pretend that it came first. <laughs> Which, well, I mean, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a little bit of weird production history. I like to go into that. Um, in Rome, James Cameron had a fever dream of a metallic torso pulling itself along the floor with kitchen knives and being inspired by John Carpenter and the success of Halloween, decided to de- develop the sl- concept into something akin to a slasher film. Um, and he wrote a draft of the script while staying at the sci- home of sci-fi writer Randall Frakes um, with the help of William Wisher, who is actually in the film himself. He plays the cop who, uh, this is one Olympic 14 or whatever. Um, the guy yeah. who, he, he, they when they see the hit and run, he's the he's actually one of the, the co-writers, who actually, he ended up going and writing the novelization that was released in the US with Frakes. Um, Good old movie novelizations. Oh, I love movie novelizations. I used I to read them all the do. time. <laughs> I used to read them all the time because <laughs> when I couldn't see the movies, because my parents hated horror movies. So I was like, well, can I get the book? And they were like, yeah. It's <laughs> like, okay, this is how I see it. <laughs> and then I'd watch the movie, the movie and I'm like, wait, this wasn't in the book. <laughs> because a lot of the times the writers will have the first draft. Looking at you, aliens. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the initial outline did involve two Terminators being sent to the past, one made of liquid metal. Um, Cameron did not believe that technology was was sufficient enough to be able to create the liquid Terminator, and the idea was shelved for T2. Um, Galen Hurd bought the rights from Terminator for, or for Terminator from Cameron for a dollar, which he actually later regretted. Um... She also suggested edits to the screenplay, but did no actual writing, but she was given a screenwriting credit. So, good job, Galen Hurd. <laughs> wow. A dollar. <laughs> yep. Um, Orion agreed to distribute the film if Cameron could get financial backing elsewhere, and Hemdale Film Corporation's chairman and president, John Daly, um, with Derek Gibson, the executive vice president, became executive producers. Um, and in his initial pitch, James Cameron had Lance Hendrickson play the Terminator by kicking open the door to their office, wearing a leather jacket. He had fake cuts on his face and gold foil on his teeth. And Cameron came in after that and 
relieve the staff of the crazy man who came in and sat down. <laughs> <laughs> and Daly, who was impressed by the screenplay and Cameron's passion, agreed to back the film with the help of HBO and Orion Pictures. Um, a little bit of fun fact about casting. Sylv- Sylvester Stallone, like you said, was up for it, and Mel Gibson apparently turned it down as well. Um, and the studio suggested O.J. Simpson, but Cameron did not believe he would be believable as the killer. Ha! Huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and an Arnold Schwarzenegger was not originally the choice for the Terminator, but was suggested for Kyle Reese. Um, Cameron was uncertain about casting Schwarzenegger because he felt that he would need someone more famous for the Terminator. Um, in Cameron's meeting, he originally planned to pick a, pick a fight with Schwarzenegger, and then find him unfit for the role. But Cameron was entertained by him, and after the meeting, Cameron told Daly that Schwarzenegger would make a hell of a Terminator. And he did. <laughs> he did, yes. It's lived on for uh, for a long time, and it always will. Um, Schwarzenegger only has 17 lines in the film, and a hun- less fewer than 100 words. Yes, but what he says is very memorable. <laughs> Yeah, he does. <laughs> a man um, of few words, but he makes them count. Yeah, he does. Well, he's a cyborg of few words, but he 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 only gives them when he needs to. <laughs> right. Uh, filming began in 1983 in Toronto, but was halted when Dino De Laurentiis optioned Schwarzenegger for the Conan Destroyer, the sequel to Conan the Barbarian, which allowed Cameron to write the script's treatments for rambo first blood part two and aliens and to refine the script for terminator um he also a busy little wanted... bee hey that i i've watched all of the uh special features for these and he's always like yep just make the money just take every job you can <laughs> I believe... <laughs> uh cameron originally wanted dick smith to do the special effects but smith rejected and suggested stan winston who helped cameron with sketches of the terminator which ended in a design nearly identical to Cameron's original drawing, which I just thought was funny. <laughs> um, like I mentioned, 2029 sequences of stop motion scenes were developed by Fantasy 2, a special effects company headed by Gene Warren Jr. And Schwarzenegger tried to have the iconic I'll be back changed due to his pron- difficulty pronouncing the word I'll. <laughs> well, I feel like if he didn't have issues with pronunciation, would Arnold even be iconic? I don't know. The muscles. True. Yeah, I feel like his, his, <laughs> he. I mean, he was already breaking out, and yeah, I I think he would have been successful. Maybe Terminator wouldn't have been as much. Yeah, like that's a good point. And that's one of the things that uh, Cameron actually mentions. He's like, even in his voice, it sounds like his voice sounds like a computer that hasn't completely got it right like it's almost like a sin- a synthesized quality to it and it really does it does it like it's just such a mix of 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 the uh, accents wow can't think um <laughs> of accents that it is a very much like a strange sounding this is horrible i should know this where's arnold voice. where's arnold from austria i believe austria, austria. yeah he's austrian Nice. Just like <laughs> Captain Von Trapp. Yes. Oh my god, now I'm forever going to picture the sound of music, but with like Arnold's voice as Captain Von Trapp of Jesus Christ. Huh. Oh. Or he could I... be dancing with Julie Andrews. That's cool too. Yeah. 
I, we already know he's a good dancer from True Lies. I mean, that tango is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is a good one. <laughs> um, it does have a 100% Rotten Tomato score um, and won three Saturn Awards for Best Science Fiction Film, Best Makeup, and Best Writing. And even though this means nothing, I, the AF, AFI gave The Terminator. Uh, it was the 42nd film on their 100-year, 100 thrills. Uh, list and the character of the terminator was number 22 the number 22nd villain in the 100 years 100 heroes and villains i wonder who was number one that's what i want to know in the villains yeah wonder who the number one villain would have been i'm pretty sure it's darth vader that makes sense. That does I'm, make sense. I remember watching these on TV, and I'm ninety percent sure it was like Darth Vader. Like my mind just not. went to Hannibal Lecter, but yeah, Darth Vader makes more sense. Like, and that that is, yeah. Hang on one second. I can I have that list up because <laughs> I was gonna look at it later. Uh, sorry, no, it's actually Hannibal Lecter. Oh, I was right. <laughs> Yeah, so it's Hannibal Lecter. I'll give you the top five. Hannibal Lecter, Norman Bates, Darth Vader, The Wicked Witch of the West, and Nurse Ratchet. (laughs) Good for Nurse Ratchet getting getting on there. Yeah. It's funny. It even gets even crazier when you keep going. (laughs) Uh, Number six is Mr. Potter uh, from It's a Wonderful Life. Alex Alex Forrest, Glenn Close's character from Fatal Attraction. Phyllis Dietrichson, Barbara Stanwyck's character in Double Indemnity. Uh, Reagan McNeil as the possess- possessed by the demon Pazuzu in uh, The Exorcist. The Evil Queen from Snow White and the Seven Doors is number 10. Wow, that is not the list I expected, not... but... Yeah, intriguing. Mm-hmm. I always found them really cool because like, sometimes they have like the craziest the it like they're just sometimes so strange like the number one hero is atticus finch from uh from to kill a Markingbird. <laughs> a bullshit <laughs> number two is indiana jones <laughs> followed by james bond and rick blaine marshall will kane from high noon clary starling is number six uh rocky balboa from rocky is number seven ellen ripley i've never seen any of the rocky movies yet <laughs> oh wow See, but you're he's getting there he's getting i am there. i'm getting I there have i have to, been plowing through these i've been watching like I'm six really movies proud a day of him. <laughs> like i feel like a proud mother who's just like my baby you know like we've been friends for so long and i've been trying to get him to watch these movies for so long that like to have him finally start you know what i'm not gonna rush him <laughs> It'll it'll happen when it happens. <laughs> I'm getting there. I think uh, all of them. I think all of them are on Tubi or HBO right now. So I'm getting there. Yeah, they're good. They're really well. Uh, yeah, they're really good. Alrighty, and then to go on to the cast a little bit, uh, we've got of course Arnie Schwarzenegger as the Terminator, Linda Hamilton as Sarah Connor. You might Michael... recognize her from a later season stint in Weeds or Children of the Corn. <laughs> yes, out of all the things Linda Hamilton has ever done, it's those. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you're, you're definitely going to remember her from Weeds. Um... <laughs> she was a badass butch lesbian in Weeds. It was great. <laughs> 
Uh, we've got Michael Bean as Kyle Reese. Uh, Paul Winfield as Lieutenant Traxler. Michael uh, Bean is one of my favorite 80s heartthrobs. He's got really great cheekbones. He does. <laughs> um lance hendrickson uh was given the role of vukovic because he was uh, he was instrumental in helping cameron's uh ac- acquire funding uh earl bowen plays dr silverman who evil evil man um i don't know if he's evil or if he's just uncaring which you'll find out a little bit more Heather, you get to see that character again if you haven't seen that part in the <laughs> and uh two. yes <laughs> okay <laughs> i do remember him from two yep um and then we've got best mata as ginger sarah's roommate and rick rosovich as matt her boyfriend who they are much loved in their little bit of time on screen <laughs> yeah <laughs> with cameos by bill paxton uh brian thompson uh dick miller and william wisher who like i said was already the he was the cop who gets knocked out bill paxton's cameo in this kills me it is so funny it's <laughs> amazing it funny? <laughs> i think it's hysterical but i mean like look at it <laughs> yeah i was gonna say it's always funny seeing brian thompson too <laughs> in my opinion, because he's so much smaller than how you like how I think of him, because I always think of him from the X-Files. Yes. Just me? And he's Sorry. Also in Fr- <laughs> yeah, he's also in Fright Night Part 2 as well. Oh my gosh, yeah, he is. Man. God, I really yeah. need to rewatch the Fright Night movies. I've never seen <laughs> Fright Night Part 2. I've, I've only seen, seen, I've seen the original and, was- and the remake, and that's it. I I saw the I saw part two when it came out as a kid and I absolutely hated it. And then as an adult, I realized how stupid I was being because it's like the anti Fright Night movie, but it's kind of the purpose of it because it basically begins with like Charlie saying, "I don't believe in vampires," and you're like, "Wait, what?" Like, and as a kid, I was personally offended by that. But <laughs> I was like, "This is in a Fright Night movie. There's no Jerry. He's fighting. You know, he's saying there's no vampires." And then. As I've gotten older, I've realized, like, oh, no, this was what, um, oh, my gosh, director Tommy Lee Wallace, sorry. I was, I was like, Halloween 3, what was it? Um, I realized, like, oh, this is what it should have, like, this This was fine. It was good. And there's, like, the little our, uh, little vampire group with, um, they're not all vampires, but uh, they're all around Regine, who is played by Julie Carmen, who is phenomenal in it. Um, but it's really good. There's some really fun effects in it. Um, there's another character actor in it that I absolutely love, um, and I'm totally blanking on his name, and I'm trying to find it really, really quickly. Um, John Grease. Um, oh, okay. He's gotcha. been in like a, yeah, he's been in like a ton of stuff. Uh, most recently, White Lotus, but like I grew up watching him in like Real Genius and things like that, and then I he became really popular because he was Uncle Rico in Napoleon Dynamite. Oh, yeah, I forgot so, he was yeah. I loathe Napoleon Dynamite with the fire of a thousand suns. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, so it's it's yeah. No, go it's, ahead. Sorry. It's, it's fun because <laughs> no, that's okay because it's it's interesting because like you know bringing in somebody like Dick Miller was obviously because of his you know Cameron's time at Roger Corman's studio because Dick worked Very in much. so many different Corman movies. Because uh, Dick just liked to work. Like, he wasn't super snobby about things and was just always happy to show up and do what he needed to do. And, you know, that's why he's, like, in so many 80s movies because so many of those directors came out of, like, the Corman school of filmmaking. 
um you know so he pretty much owes like his entire you know career to corman because not only did corman give him starring roles but then all of these filmmakers who came out were like okay let's bring in dick miller because dick rules sorry that out of context that sounds really strange um, <laughs> but i mean you're not wrong dick does rule <laughs> i mean you know when you're right you're right um but yeah it's it's just really fascinating because like i i think what's great about something like terminator it's like it's a movie that is it, it's it's almost too ambitious in certain ways like this movie shouldn't have worked as well as it did because the technology needed to make this movie like actualized was like not even quite there like you mentioned how like t2 they had to kind of hold ideas until that movie came about um because you could you know we could kind of play with things even more um but it's so interesting to me because like you know even re-watching it now like a lot of the visual effects still hold up really well because there's like something yeah. about like watching movies from like 10 years ago and visual effects age i think modern visual effects age very rapidly these days we're like i'll even watch a marvel movie from like four or five years ago and i'm like oh i can i can see the the rough edges to it we're like i'm watching this now and like the lightning shouldn't look as good as it does and it like it's pristine Oh, yeah, just a few I, days ago, I actually watched the Ten Commandments uh, 4K with my friend. And, uh, you know, that movie is 70 years old. And yeah. most of it holds up amazing. Like, obviously, it's, there's it's, some it's stuff. It's phenomenal. But, I mean, yeah, it's phenomenal what, like, matte paintings will do. Like, it shouldn't work as well as it does. But, yeah, you know, but, that's, I mean, like, it's fantastic. the beauty of... Yeah, that's the beauty of like that. Era I would rather see an actor up against a matte painting than an actor up against a green screen. <laughs> exactly, uh, exactly. Um, but yeah, I really think that like Cameron's time, like working in different art departments for Corman and having to make a lot out of very little because those were movies that had like very little budgets. Um, <laughs> they had I think budgets? served them really well for this. Yeah, barely. I think it was like, here's fifty thousand dollars, go make a movie. I think they only had like three hundred thousand to make like Slumber Party Massacre. And you know, so that was pretty crazy to have to do, especially shooting in LA in the eighties. So I think the fact that like I know they had a couple million to make this movie, and I think every single cent is on the screen, but like compared to like what this movie what would take to make this movie now, like it would be at least like a seventy thousand seventy million dollar movie. Oh, you know, at least. just to like, you know, to to ma match modern sensibilities. And I don't think it would be nearly as effective. There's just something about the grit and the grunge that you see in this movie that like, it's, it's, it, it's like unprecedented in so many different ways where like, where the future of sci-fi headed post Terminator, like it's all due to Cameron. Like this oh, is yeah. all because of him. Um, I actually wrote it in the notes. I said, I think that James Cameron is the one director that absolutely understands special effects and how to use them completely. Like, oh, yeah. And he like, always I, like I, it's like he sees special effects 10 years before anybody else like thinks it's possible. Oh, even longer than that. I would go 10 to 15 and even 15 years. Like he's and always again, been I'm not the so biggest, hard you know, neither of us are the biggest Avatar fans, but visually, I mean avatar oh, 2 visually beautiful. like i've never seen anything like that like well that's the thing like it's astonishing well, like even with yeah like even with like something like the abyss like that was a movie because of the way that the the creatures existed and moved in the way that he wanted them to look he was turned down 
by pretty much every single special effects house in California on the East Coast. Nobody would touch it because nobody could do it. And it actually was like, and this is something that came up in an interview that I did with him. Steve Johnson was like, I was on so much cocaine at the time that I was like, sure, I can do this and realized, holy shit, I don't know if I can do this. Because it was like what he wanted to create for those those entities was just, it was impossible. But somehow they found a way to make it work. And that's the cool thing. Like, you know, Alien was a fantastic movie. Pro you know, again, one of the, probably one of the best, you know, science fiction movies of all times, you know, at least top three. I'd put Terminator up there as well. Um, but it only had one xenomorph. So what does Cameron do for aliens? He's like, let's make 80 of them. And like <laughs> the, the, the sheer audacity of that, because it was like, how, like, how do you even pull that off? And the fact that he was able to do it and everything like works as well as it does. And again, you know, kudos to Stan Winston and his entire crew, because so many times in Cameron's projects, like, they made the impossible possible. Like the Terminator, it's sure it looks dated now, but I don't really care because I'd rather see that than some smoothed out CG generated, you know, hand fixing itself. Like to me, it just felt like watching like Star Wars, like in uh, uh, Empire Strikes Back when like Luke gets his hand cut off and there's a scene at the end and he's has the fingers moving and the little rods in there. Like that mm -hmm. felt like such a, like a fun sort of connection to Empire to me where I was like, yeah, this is the magic of movies like i believe in these things like because i'm watching it and it seems so real absolutely uh i there are some movies that i think just absolutely capture like just the just the essence of self of like making movies and like what movies are supposed to be and the joy they bring and i think this this for me is one of mine and i think it should be for a lot of people in my opinion but i just i there's so much with this movie that's just so absolutely brilliant and it's just so well done especially because in a lot of ways like one of the things that i always find holds up really well about this movie is like uh, and I, I mean we can probably go into it if we want to go like beat by beat but you i think we're just having a good conversation but i the romance aspect of this absolutely holds up like, I think it's, it's such a really great romance, especially for, like, I, I this movie, by the end of the movie, I'm absolutely, like, I, I absolutely believe they're in love. And oh, I think 100%. that's something that, that holds up so well, is just When she says they the love romance. for a lifetime, I believe it. Yeah, I didn't think it's like, and they share such, there's such a very small window of time that they're together. But you, the thing that sells that moment the most is the photo. It's such yep. a tiny little piece. Like, it's just this one little prop. And it does so much work in a movie. And again, I think that's like a testament of how do you make the most out of something so little. And that to me is like the genius of what like independent filmmaking is all about. Because the thing is like, yes, Orion put this movie out um you know in 84 but it was completely independently financed so this really is an independent movie um you know this wasn't like they had like studio resources you know at their you know sitting on the sides like oh if this you know if we can't get these shots in like okay well we'll just shoot it you know in a couple of weeks or something like no they had to get it done in the moment because that was that and which is why like you know cameron called like this like his his sort of one true guerrilla filmmaking movie 
you know, even more so than Piranha 2, because like there was times where they were stealing shots left and right throughout Los Angeles because that was all that they could do. Right. Like that was just, it was the only way to get things done. Like he was paying to shoot certain sequences out of his own pocket. And the thing is, is like, and this was something that has come up in other interviews that I've done. Like he was, he did, he was home, like he was homeless technically when he wrote and started uh, shooting Terminator. He didn't have a place to live. He was living at other people's houses um, because at a certain point he was living, I think it might've even been with Shane Mahan, who was part of Stan Winston's crew. Like, I think he stayed with Shane for like a couple weeks. He lived with, um, I think it was William Wisher. I think he lived with him for a while. Uh, and one of the producers, he stayed with him for like a month or two. So it wasn't even like Cameron had, you know, he wasn't a trust fund kid. Like he was just out there and desperately wanted to make this movie and got it done any way, you know, the only way he could was just sheer will, which is kind of amazing. Yeah. I love stories like that. I mean, it's so weird thinking about um, James Cameron not having a place to stay <laughs> right like the guy who literally like made billions of dollars for 20th century fox over the years and he's like a guy who literally like he had to like leave the lease on his apartment because he couldn't afford it anymore um and maybe that in retrospect maybe that's why galen heard because i i interviewed her years ago um and she said how she felt bad about the whole terminator thing and i was like well maybe she realized in retrospect, like Cameron's like homeless and stuff, but she was also still coming up. She wasn't like a really powerful person in the industry either, mm-hmm. you know, at the time that they made Terminator. So everybody was really like green when this movie happened, like, and it, you could kind of feel it, but I think that's part of its charm. Like, I feel like it's a bunch of people who are just really hungry to go make a movie. Cause I think she'd only like, she, I forget what movie it was. She did something with New World Pictures. I just remember that because we talked about it because I used to love, I love New World Pictures movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, she was just a very up and coming person too. So I don't think that her offering him a dollar was like her trying to be like rude or anything. I don't think she had the money either. Like, I think it was just like a bunch of kids going out there who were desperate to make a mark in an, an otherwise unforgiving industry and trying to break out. And they did. It's, it's um, magic. Like, absolutely i agree with you i think i don't know i only read through the that he was disappointed in it i don't know if he was disappointed in like the fact that it what, what happened with it of, of selling well, it sh- i think I'm it's sure just the money, fact that he yeah. had to <laughs> like i'm sure yeah. at this point he was he wishes he could have kept control of it so he could have done you know yeah, like I don't how think much more he, made... he would have done i think he only made a certain amount of money on certain aspects of the terminator movies that followed like i don't think until he came back for dark fate is when he actually like got a little bit more of a percentage like he was always getting paid with terminator movies but i'm guessing it probably would have been a heck of a lot more um but he didn't have an agent he didn't have a lawyer at the time either so he was like okay he just kind of was like making movies with his friends you know um which can be a good thing but it can also be a bad thing if you end up making a movie that would go on to influence cinema for 40 years and spawn an entire franchise and create one of the most iconic characters of the 1980s you know nobody thinks of these things when they're writing their silly little fever dream movies but <laughs> that's what happens yeah uh i think the pressure would kill you if you had any idea <laughs> like what it was going to turn into right 
Like, I bet he wish he could, like, go back in time and tell that, you know, tell that Cameron, like, no, maybe get, like, a hundred dollars in, like, future rights or something. You know. <laughs> You're gonna want a little more. Right. Well, but it also makes you think, would, like, would, if you know something is going to be, like, a huge hit, would you, would it sacrifice some of the vision? Because then you know you should go bigger and harder, and then some, like, it's kind of a it's kind of a paradox like this movie <laughs> you know yeah like, like if you know you're gonna do very well like uh, like are you are you going to be able to make the things that don't like uh, the things that we love about like absolutely what you said like the like the guerrilla filmmaking like if you're gonna still be doing the guerrilla film filmmaking you know it's gonna be a big hit like are you gonna are you gonna try and squeeze in more because i one of the things i love about this movie is how how well paced it is and just how everything goes along at like such a great at a great gate and you you know would you try and stack it more because you know that it's going to be a big hit and you want to get more things on the screen yeah it's tough because i think what it is is like the, the there's a a like there's a desperation i think in the way that this movie is made that reflects the nature of the story itself but you also can feel it in the filmmaking. And I honestly think like sometimes when you have directors and crew and cast that are all sort of under this kind of pressure, I think, you know, it's like they say like, you know, coal under pressure turns into diamonds. And I think if this had been a much more comfortable shoot for everybody, we're like, okay, here's 20 million to go make your little weird sci-fi movie. I don't know. I don't know what would have happened. Like, I don't know if it would just meant like cooler things or, unnecessary like complications to it like i don't know that we needed the like liquidy effects in this movie i think that's what makes t2 such a stand because it's evolved the thing exactly. that blew our minds in 84 now is blowing our minds you know seven years later yeah. in new ways you know how do you how do you like like thrill and completely take people by like you know surprise twice this is how you do it, you know? And I mean, exactly. if they had known this was going to be a huge hit, would Arnold have gone full frontal? Maybe not. <laughs> I know, my, my Blu-ray is pretty dark, so you if you can't quite quite make it out, not you know, not that I was looking, but, you know, I think if that's <laughs> I, I like, have seen this enough time, and gro growing up and being closeted and stuff, uh, you, you can make it out. It's possible. <laughs> Yeah, it was. It's funny because I think also too because of all of his his bodybuilding competitions over the years, I don't think there is any like secrets anymore in that area True. because like he was always wearing, you know, there there wasn't a lot. And I think also too he was like sort of famously like known for like walking around gyms. Like he would just walk out nude sometimes just to screw with people, <laughs> <coughs> like his bodybuilding friends and stuff. So I don't even know. The straight men are so gay. <laughs> They they really are. Um, I, I also think, too, like, I think there might have been something in Conan. I can't remember because it's been a while since I've seen it, but there might have been something in Conan, oh, too. Oh, well, now, but it now that just bumped up my list of 80s classics well, to rewatch. <laughs> yeah. Well, not even rewatch. Um, I haven't seen that one. So I think, you know, I mean, it's it's interesting because it just feels like everybody was there in service of this story and there's no ego in it like once you get into the sequels and stuff you almost feel like they're just making it to like do like they're out there trying to 
they're almost trying too hard, I guess is the best way to say it. Because I remember seeing three in theaters and I actually didn't dislike three, but there's just like, again, like this polish to it in like, I'm just like, are you just doing this because you just need to make a Terminator movie? Like, what are you even yes. like, you know? It well, just, and that's exactly yes. it. It's like, like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, you're fine. Gonna, I was just going to say, I absolutely agree with you. I think it's more of the franchise facts. Like, these movies, like, these are two of the biggest movies of all, well, not the first one, but the second one became, you know, like, one of the biggest movies of all time. And I think it absolutely, they were like, oh, like, this is a franchise. Like, the second movie, like, we can definitely do a third. Like, as long as Arnold's involved, we can make it. And I think a lot of the times that sometimes the money is what comes to it, which is such a problem to me sometimes, because I, and don't get me wrong, I know that studios are going to take what's tried and true, uh, you know, like a, 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 you know, a worthwhile, you know, EP, uh, an IP, and just, like, make as much money as they can off of it. But it's also, like, I feel like sometimes it does hinder the original artist's vision in a lot of ways, or it at least kind of, like, it is a very different form for what it hid and i think if i think if cameron had the roof i think if cameron would have had the reins <laughs> would have had the rights um i really feel like we would not have a three or a terminator salvation <laughs> yeah. or a genesis <laughs> yeah i mean i think the only saving grace to those movies is the fact that you still had stan winston studios involved so you had them pushing Absolutely. things in new ways um, you know, and it's really sad that Stan actually died while Salvation was in production. And there was uh, a lot of his crew were on set and got the news that he had passed. Um, which is why if you watch that movie, it's dedicated to Stan. Um, but I've, I've had a few, I'm really bad in interviews where people get emotional because I start crying. Um, oh. but I've actually had like a few very teary conversations about what that experience was like because they knew he wasn't great, but they didn't know how serious. And had they known, because they were shooting in New Mexico, like they would have come home immediately. Um, but they realized they didn't realize until it was like pretty much too late. So, but it, it's interesting too, because like we we talk a lot about Stan Winston, but like the reality is, is like a lot of these tricks were more so other folks, like. And that's like, I love that Stan, of course, was this brand and he became like this person. And like, realistically, we wouldn't even have Oscars for special effects had it not been for Stan Winston and Rick Baker. Um, so like, he deserves every accolade, like accolade he gets and all the adulation. But like, realistically, like the, the scene with like the Terminator head in the mirror, like that was all conceived by Shane Mahan and like the, the arm sequence as well. Like that was all Richard Landon. Those are my favorite um, special like, effects in the entire movie. They're so cool. Like it just it sells it so well. And like they even used the Arnold head for some of the inserts inside the big rig. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and like, you know, as much as like Stan deserves all the praise, like all the praise that he gets, because he does, but like he had a really talented crew and he basically called Absolutely. them lifers because most because most folks who came into his studios, like, they pretty much stayed there. Like very few actually left. Like the only ones that really left were like Alec Gillis and, and Tom Woodruff Jr. They went off to start Studio ADI, which launched yep. basically with Tremors. And like Steve Wang <laughs> oh, left to Tremors. go work with Rick Banger. Yeah, look, Tremors is great. And like Steve Wang left to go work uh, with Rick Baker. 
um, basically a lot of folks left around Gremlins 2 time because literally everybody was needed to do Gremlins 2. Right. Um, I was going to say Gremlins 2 had everyone. (laughs) That's another one. I have still not seen Gremlins 2. I've just seen the first one. Oh, Oh, you need to see Gremlins 2. Gremlins 2 is so much fun. It really is. It's a really fun summer movie. female one. Oh, she Greta is amazing. She um, is the best. <laughs> yeah, so it's 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 so interesting because like, you know, like when we talk about like American Werewolf in London, it's Rick Baker, Rick Baker, Rick Baker. But there's like thirty guys on the floor with him that are like doing all these things and stuff right. like that. Um, you know, so as much as I'm like, yes, yeah, Stan Winston, Stan Winston, like there's a hella talented group of guys who worked on this film that like also deserve to be adored for what they did because again i would have never believed that this terminator was real had it not been for those moments but then of course there's you know there's the fantasy two stop motion terminator sequences as well that just they i don't even care that they look like dated like i watch ray harryhausen stuff still to this day i don't care that it looks dated it's still fun who cares you know um, but yeah, I love the stop motion Terminator too. Because as a kid, I was completely convinced that that thing was coming to kill me. It's yeah. like he knows but- I know, and I'm in trouble. <laughs> but I mean, but you're absolutely right. And one of the things I love about it is like the stop motion. Uh, like, yes, it is stop motion, but in a lot of ways, like it feels like a damaged. It feels damaged to me, and I think that's one of the things that I just I felt so. Like, one of the things I love about this movie is the fact that they have a puppet and it looks evil. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, like, <laughs> I like, mean, I puppets watch it generally I... kind of look kind of evil, Sean. <laughs> well, you know what I mean. Like, they have the, you know, the, like, the the Terminator, like, the chassis. Like, it is absolutely terrifying. Just that entire design. Like, it just looks like lean mean and like awful like if it was coming after you you would be terrified and i like i oh it's and just like its expression is just so terrifying like like when it like focuses its eyes and it's just like moves its head oh creepy so scary yeah one of the coolest (laughs) things i will say like when i first moved out here uh one of my first jobs was at a special effects house um and it was with this guy, Rob Hall. He died a few years ago, but he was working at the time on the Sarah Connor Chronicles. And they, and he actually had the molds for the Terminator exoskeletons um, sent over from Stan Winston Studios. Like Fox asked him to do that. So we actually had like multiple Terminators like around the shop, which was like the coolest thing because they were based on how it looks in the first movie, which is pretty cool. Oh, that's so cool yeah i believe me if i would have known that i was going to be leaving that job when i did i would have stolen a a terminator head i'll tell you what (laughs) (laughs) i don't blame you i would have too (laughs) i i got i got desperate i got i got horribly mistreated at that job so i would have totally taken it nobody cared um so but i do have some some stuff from buffy and angel so there's that but what do you have for buffy and angel tell me everything oh i just have like a a hand cast Xander from Buffy and then I have um a couple of the poker chips from the episode of Angel when um oh I totally forget his name but he passed away um the demon guy who had like the nightclub but he also like for yes. one of the episodes he was like doing a he, poker was, night uh, so I actually have it? some of the Lauren? chips Lauren yes Lauren um but I have some poker chips from that episode too so yeah so cool. like deeply 
deeply influential on me as a person. <laughs> I think a lot of us, at least a lot of us cool people. Yes. So, that's how you know you're cool. It's like, oh, did you grow up on Buffy and Angel? Okay, cool. Then we can, then we can do this. <laughs> you don't like Buffy? I don't it's trust a- you. <laughs> No, yeah. I, uh, anytime anyone says they, they don't like Buffy, I'm like, oh, which episodes did you see? Did you only watch the first season? First season gets okay, but it gets better. Oh, I don't <laughs> like, even have. Que- I didn't ask questions. It's just like, mm, nope. <laughs> I, I just, I need to know what. Who hurt you? <laughs> who hurt you? <laughs> who hurt you? And how did Buffy not fix it? <laughs> I know. Seriously, though. <laughs> Uh, one thing we were we talked about a little bit is uh the romance aspect what do you think of the um the romance of this movie heather i like it like i think i mean it's simple it's not super you know it's no jack and rose and titanic um where it's just sort of like these two people who come together basically out of necessity but yet you have this guy who has spent his entire life like idolizing this woman who doesn't want to be in a relationship with a with a man who's been like you know idolizing you before you even knew him he's like you know i've been in love with you like for for years and she's just meeting him um so there's something very romantic about that and it's like again it's like sort of like a a romance for the for time like a cross kind of it reminds me a little bit of somewhere in time which came out around that same time actually yeah you know he was in love with the picture and came back in time to find her and I well and that's one of the things I really love about this movie is like he doesn't he doesn't pursue her romantically like not really like he doesn't let her know his feelings until she asks for them or like or or like they're in a deep moment like he's never just like oh I came back here for you like it's not the first thing he says like he spends the movie like telling her about his world and like the man her son will become and like you know the woman she herself will become and i think it's like he never it feels like he's never you know like yes it's it's a lot of information but he's he's always trying to be like hey like you are strong like you can do this like you you have no choice like you can do this i know you can like that's because you've already done it and then your head explodes trying to think about time paradoxes (laughs) God, a person could go crazy trying to think about this. Um, <laughs> but, like, he, you know, and that's one of the things I love about this movie is it's a, such a relation, like, this relationship builds, and it's really based on, like, it's such a, a huge part of the core of, like, it's the huge, it's the heart of the movie. Like, is, you know, like, her son is going to be, you know, uh, you know the savior of mankind and he sends back the man who is his father who will be younger than him when he meets him you know and just oh i just love it and i love little moments that like uh, there are things i didn't realize when i was younger like when he's just like oh he's about my height and like he has your eyes and i was just like oh like it wasn't until i was a few years ago and i was just like oh my god they really are just spelling it out for you right there on the screen oh <laughs> like, sean that's precious hey, I, listen <laughs> i first saw this movie when i was like five or six okay like i remember dad being like hey you have to close your eyes during this part <laughs> and it was was the it the boobies or the peen <laughs> uh i are we this was like 96 dude we watched it on vhs like 
Oh, Maybe that's true. Yeah, you can <laughs> on a see big enormous twelve-inch screen. <laughs> yeah, basically, our TV. We had a tube TV. Like there wasn't a lot going on. You couldn't see anything. It was the boobs. No. <laughs> <laughs> Nipples. <laughs> yes. Um. But yeah, it's just I. When I got older, I was just like, oh my gosh, like it really does. Like everything about this. And I think you're absolutely right. Like the photograph, all of these things, all of these elements just come together so beautifully to create such like just a poignant love story. And I think that's that is one of the reasons this movie really will always hold up for me is because it. Yes, I think that the all like the all of these special effects paperwork and this or paperwork (laughs) special (laughs) effects work (laughs) like it, it will hold up, you know, forever. But like if you don't have characters that you care about, like you're never going to like, it's never really going to stand. Like it's never going to be considered the best. And I think that's one of the things that I think James Cameron has always done so well is like in all of his movies, like his characters are likable. Like sometimes they're unlikable, but that they're unlikable in their likableness or likable in their unlikableness. I think that was the way I meant to say that. (laughs) Yeah, probably. (laughs) I just, I, like, the human aspect of this movie, you know, pun intended, it just, it holds up so well for me. One of the great things about, like, when you do a horror movie, specifically a slasher, is, like, you kind of show up to watch just a bunch of people get killed by, like, a cool killer, right? Um, and so while I do think Terminator has a lot of sort of slasher elements to it, it's a, it's a slasher with a robot, but it's that heart of Sarah and Kyle um, in terms of like watching them come together and finding this moment of just pure love and connection that I think is like makes the Terminator stand out in comparison to like a lot of other like sort of sci-fi and even horror movies that were happening back in the early 80s. Absolutely. Yeah, and they definitely had a connection. We saw it. It uh, There were heads turned back. Close-ups of hands <laughs> intertwined. You know, you know, I mean, you know when fingers are intertwined is is when you're you you know you've you've hit it. Like they are really <laughs> they are really connected, and the arch backs and heads turned back. You know, they're really enjoying it. So, you know, I think they really had a moment of pure connection. Good thing Kyle Reese is not like Angel because we already had one bad badass. <laughs> On another aspect of love, um, my cat has been acting up. I love that she has a pet iguana. I think that is such a choice, and I adore that for her. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Pugsley is so cute. (laughs) Uh, One thing I did, uh, we were talking about a little bit. I don't know. I don't remember if we got to it or not, but... um, we were talking about the flashback scenes. Clayton thinks that they slow the movie down. Yes. Um, what do you think, Heather? Um, I don't think so at all because I think it's it's a good thing that sort of anchors why we should care about what happens in the future. Um, exactly. I actually think one of the cool I think one of the coolest moments in that movie is when you see the two kids staring at a TV set and you see the glow and you immediately think they're watching. That is TV. my favorite. I. I love that shot of the fire in the TV, but like that scene yeah. is five minutes long. It doesn't really tell us anything new that he's already either said out loud talking to Sarah or 
is going to but tell I think Sarah. It's, it's sh- but I think it shows like how bad it is. Yeah, like, I just think it could say, have like, been oh, gotten across in a much shorter scene. Like, you know, seeing the kids with the fire and the TV and all this stuff, but it's like a five minute long scene. And it's just like, I feel like it just throws the pace of the movie off for me. And I don't mind long movies. Like, I mean, The Hateful Eight is one of my favorite movies, and that's three hours of people sitting around in one room talking. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I just, uh, it doesn't bother me about the movie per se, because I mean, I love The Terminator. I've seen it a million times. I'll watch it a million more. That is just something I noticed when I was watching it, you know. When I'm watching a movie for the podcast, I'm like looking at it kind of in a different way, and I'm like, okay, this like this is the moment when I get taken out of the movie, and like want to check my phone or something is just during this, and I mean oh. to the point that I literally I didn't do it for the second one, but that first one I was like, I'm going back and timing how long this scene was because that was just ridiculous. Um, See, this is why I wrote wrong in our notes. <laughs> I, it's fine. It's just it's just an opinion, but like you know, I again I've been watching all these like hardcore 80s action movies that are just really well paced even along with like all the diehard movies except for the last one are all over two hours long and i don't think there's like fat in there like i wouldn't have wanted to cut anything and uh, t2 judgment day is a far longer film and i always watch like the extended edition of that because i want every moment but just in this movie specifically for these watches i just thought those two scenes dragged and the rest of the it just felt like it was see i showing more than telling i absolutely agree with heather i think it's the human it's the human condition like and that's one of the things that like i said if a lesser movie would just show it and not tell it or like not tell or just tell it not show it and in this time to show it it's it's more important because it does show how bad it like heather said just how bad it's gotten like this isn't like one of those futures where it's just a dystopia or whatever like this is war like they are we are yeah. at the end of humanity there's, like yeah there's no safe just living... spaces either yeah, yeah exactly and like it's such a contrast to like the excess of the 80s that you know like you're you're watching like you're seeing sarah go and have a pizza and there all these people are dancing at a, you know at the at the at tech noir which also uh we'll get into that but like you know like it, it's just so much it's the like it's the juxtaposition between the two is like this man comes from a time where none of this exists like all of these people are dead like uh, you know most of humanity is gone like it's he honestly functions very well in the past timeline future timeline um the 1984 timeline i'm amazed at how well adjusted and he how he navigates the space even though like he hasn't had a civilization growing up (laughs) well but he would still see the remnants of all this stuff and yeah like yes like technology is better but like they don't use it as much like they use it for their weapons like you would use whatever you could you'd have cars and they would become weapons you would use them as i'm sure battering rams or whatever you know in a fight against a machine you're going to use anything you can including other machines and so i think for for me like i it's very much like the human condition and i think if they didn't have them like you wouldn't care as much for reese because you yes he's a warrior and you're all like oh he chose this but you also get to see like the world he comes from and everything he's done to survive and like i think it's like it's one of the reasons that like he like he he idolizes and you know loves sarah from afar is because 
he is in a time where like humanity is dying and ends up falling in love with the woman who you know ends up you know have being the mother of the savior of mankind <laughs> you know and i think it's just i and i you know and he also if if we go off terminator salvation like he ends up having a, a you know like such a good relationship with john like not maybe not relationship but like you know like at, at least there is a a comradeship there and it it just it builds it builds the character of Kyle Reese more so that when at when you get to the ending of the movie, it just hurts more because you feel like, oh, he's finally had a chance to, like, have something great. And by the end of it, he doesn't. Yeah. You know, what's kind of crazy about the Terminator movies is the fact that we learned nothing from them. Right. <laughs> yeah, I was watching this and I was just like, oof. <laughs> Like, we're, we've like, invited uh, all of these things into our houses. Robots are doing things now. Like, we, we learned nothing. I was, she's you know? like, yeah, we don't have the technology for that. And I'm just like, she didn't see Megan. I did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's um, of, it's can we talk bewildering. for just a right. second about uh, Sarah Connor's roommate, Jenny? Um, Ginger? You mean Ginger? Ginger. Ginger. Oh, my God. I don't know why I said Jenny. Ginger. I need my glasses checked. Um, Ginger. <laughs> yes, the lovely Ginger. I felt so bad for her every single time until I remember that who the fuck, after they finish having sex, pours themselves a full glass of milk? It was the 80s. Everyone drank milk. I don't You drank milk is... with everything in the 80s. You really did. Really? Like, was it that much of a thing? Because I was just like, ugh. Oh, like, yeah. I mean, are, I wasn't, what did you get I wasn't back like, doing if I... all sorts of things, but, you know. Yeah, <laughs> you were too young for that. <laughs> yeah, but you know, it was like, very essential back then. I'm just like, oh, she just drank all this milk, and they could be like kissing again in a second. Like that is disgusting. Like, well, I but... uh, fully thought she deserved to be killed for that. <laughs> no, she did not. That was just the '80s. Honestly, Ugh. it's um a lot. Of... It's actually something that comes up a lot is um like they're saying that people aren't drinking as much milk um now and it's because a lot of people because like, milk's fucking disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not a big fan of milk either. I've never been a fan of milk, but and I'm um, not just saying that because I'm lactose intolerant. I like a lot of things that make me quite ill from milk products, but milk itself is not one of them. Ugh, I hate watching people drink it. I just. Um, Wow, there's a lot going on there. <laughs> I'm very I didn't passionate milk about be, this. I didn't realize milk could be so controversial. Yeah, yeah I didn't either. I was, I was not expecting this conversation with this one. Uh, also, one thing I do want to talk about is in this movie has one of my favorite shots of all of cinema. And that is in the tech noir when Sarah drops her cup and the, the slow-mo happens. And it's just the, like, she bends over to get her, her glass, and the Terminator just looks past her and doesn't see her. And just that moment, I sorry, I have nothing to say about it except for the fact that, like, I get chills every time. It is one of my favorite moments in all of cinema. I mean, I mentioned that in my notes, too. I love a good, well-timed bend to avoid detection. I think it's great. I love it every time it's used in a story. 
yeah it's it's phenomenal like the whole sequence is just great like it's just visually he's him standing in front of the sign is just perfection and then yeah like the when they use slow-mo in this movie it really has weight to it because like you know it's been kind of overplayed now all these years later but back then like the weight of that and how deliberately it was used here um it just works so well the speed up stuff maybe not as much because there's a few few of the driving <laughs> sequences where you can tell they just sped the film up a little bit, but um, yes. but the slow mo <laughs> stuff is fantastic. Yeah, I just that like where that music is just that sting, like it has that sting of the music. Uh, I just every time I think of like moments in cinema that just like make my my heart soar <laughs> it is that moment <laughs> I had a really random thought that I apologize for ringing up now but I had this thought during the movie when she says the line I'm in this bar called tech noir you know how they make everything into musicals now if it's a good property that's gonna get turned into a musical um Terminator the musical song idea I'm in this bar that could be called Tech Noir, and that's one of the lines. I'm in this bar called Tech Noir, and I think it would be a banger, and I would love to see it. And I just had to put that out in the universe. And my other thought for the whole entire Tech Noir sequence, aside from the phenomenal Come With Me If You Want to Live, I mean, like, iconic, um, Call Me By Your Name takes place in 1983, and this is 1984, and Army Hammer's Oliver, you could edit him dancing from Call Me By Your Name into this scene, and he would fit right in, and I find that hilarious. <laughs> he will, you will do anything to bring that movie up. It's true. Well, it he will legitimately me. do anything. <laughs> uh, I was gonna say, so we went a little bit. We've kind of gone all over the place. Um, but I mean, gosh, this movie's just so good. I don't think you need to do. I think it's just such a well done movie. Um, but the one of the things I wanted to talk about is the ending. Um, and I remember just how the first time I ever watched this movie, I remember just how sad I was that Kyle Reese, you know, he spoiler alert doesn't make it. It's heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. <laughs> yeah. But it makes this movie so much better that he doesn't. Um, and it wouldn't be the same movie if he did. Uh and you know, like this the creation of the paradox of like her him coming back in time to become john's father and then john ending up having to send him back knowing it's his father to essentially go to his death is i i just i think it's one of the most brilliant endings of all film <laughs> like you know like it's just so well done and then the call when you get the the photograph which becomes the one that you know kyle has and uh, it's just so so great i wanted to see what you guys thought of it i think it's just so beautiful because i mean even earlier when he says i die for john connor with such conviction and he doesn't even know you know that's his son and he does die for john connor and it's sad and it's beautiful and and just i like it good ending yeah yeah, I mean, I think ultimately, too, there's a point where he says, like, nobody ever comes back from these missions. So I think he knew one way or another, like, that was, a, like, that that was that. And yeah. he figured, you know, he probably sort of knew his, quote, unquote, dark fate, if you will, um, uh. in taking the mission, <laughs> you know, where he knew he was basically going on a, on a 
on a journey that was going to kill him. Um, but he knew he had to do it because somebody, you know, because he, he swore that he would, you know. So I think that makes it even, you know, more grandiose in its simplicity, if that makes sense. I agree. Absolutely. Uh, oh, but, like, oh, she couldn't I... give him the kid. She couldn't give the kid the extra dollar. Like, you know. <laughs> I know. I, that was so funny. I'm like, she just had to haggle with him. Like, give the kid like, the just five. give him the extra dollar. Yeah, right? Like, come on. What do you, you know. If you it's can pay dollar. $4 for a picture, you can pay 5 It's a kid. Exactly. Help, the, help the kid out. His dad's going right? to beat him. Yeah. His dad's not going to beat him. That's a hustle. <laughs> like, a good, she I tells him say, it's, a, it's a good hustle. Reward him for it. Yeah, well, she did. She gave him 4 bucks instead of the 3 she was originally going to say. <laughs> At least that's what I would think. <laughs> I have one other thought about him dying. I kind of hate that he dies off screen and they don't get like a final dramatic goodbye, even though those always bug me in movies because it's like that's so unrealistic. People don't just wait for you to wait to die until you can have like, you know, this perfect moment together. But I really wanted it for them. See, I think it means more because he doesn't. Yeah, I think it it falls into the realism of of the approach. Because, I mean, obviously we're talking about like, crazy you know far-fetched ideas and things like that i think those kind of touches is what like grounds it because you know in life you really do get those kind of moments right and he does and you and you even said it earlier he says i'll die i would die for john connor he does he does he maybe he doesn't unwittingly but he dies for john connor and he dies for sarah and it it just makes it all the more poignant uh would yeah. you guys keep the hand after she destroys him uh yeah absolutely oh the terminator hand oh yeah i, I just wondered like, if see? i wondered if she ripped it off and went and took it to people like see i told you and then just keeps it oh god no she, well you know she doesn't from the second one i know but it just it would have been awesome <laughs> I, at the time this came out the second one didn't exist so i just like to think that <laughs> i would keep the hand you're terminated yeah. fucker oh <laughs> such a good line that's such a good line thank Perfect. god she knew she was being recorded and <laughs> yes for our, for our entertainment purposes <laughs> she would the line didn't get wasted on no one <laughs> oh so um i mean i think we've kind of gone through most of the film like i uh is there do you guys have any final thoughts you know i what i will say is you know so this is basically a movie where you know, a guy has to come back from the future, like, come from the future to save a woman, right? Um, mm-hmm. Which feels very traditional. And yet, it's ultimately Sarah that saves herself in the end. Because yes. at that point, Kyle's dead. And I think that when you talk about James Cameron's movies, the way that he's able to create agency for female characters is masterful. And I think that that's a really great way that like Sarah Connor becomes more than just a potential victim in the, in this movie. Um, and it's one of those things that just didn't really hit me until I became older. And I realized like sort of the concept of final girl and things like that. Um, but I think that like her having to be the one who ultimately kills the Terminator in the end um, is pretty freaking awesome. And I think also, again, sets up the Sarah Connor that we see in the future. I and mean, Sarah Absolutely. Connor's about it. Would you consider her a final girl? Uh, I yeah. would. I mean, yeah, I, I definitely would. 
I never can decide where I fall on the line of like is term is the Terminator a slasher film? <laughs> oh, it's one hundred percent a slasher film. It's it's even, I mean, it's it, it has a lot of people it. die. Yeah, a lot yeah, of people die in this. There's a yeah, big true. body count. A lot of those are bloody and gruesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I was going to say, uh, uh, yeah, this is definitely a slasher. <laughs> um, my final thoughts. Uh, this movie is a landmark in cinema history. Its special effects are amazing and still hold up. I came down on the side that I really liked the score, even though I wasn't sure until about halfway through the movie. Um, Sarah Connor is iconic. Arnold is just amazing. Uh, Michael Bean is just so gorgeous and so earnest. And it's just really wonderful. I don't love it as much as the sequel, but you know, without this, the sequel wouldn't exist. And for, my last final thought. I just want to read that quote from the end that she says, should I tell you about your father? Boy, that's a tough one. If you don't send Kyle, you can never be God. A person could go crazy thinking about this. I suppose I will tell you. I owe him that. Maybe it'll help if you know that in a few, in the few hours we had together, we loved a lifetime's worth, which is what sticks with me long after the movie is over, rather than all the violence and mayhem and cool actiony stuff. Yeah, agreed. I think what, yeah, and I think also too, what's really cool is like Terminator is very reflective of how cool sci-fi storytelling was in the '80s, and even particularly in 1984, because there was a lot of really interesting stuff going on. Obviously, you had like the adaptation of Dune, but you also had movies. Oh like, God! <laughs> yeah, but you also had like Starman, and like one of my favorites was The Last Starfighter. Growing up, I love that movie, and also. Uh, a movie that it's been fun to see people reconnect with it is called this movie called the ice pirates that I was like obsessed with growing up. Um, and it was just, oh, it was I, such I an interesting time. Oh, it's, it's really crazy, weird and fun. If you can find it, I highly recommend it. Um, okay. And it, and it was also like, I think it was also the same year as Buckaroo Banzai. Like it was, it was 84 was a pretty remarkable time for science fiction cinema. Um, and I think the Terminator, like, they wrote a book it's about so, it. Yeah, it's like it's so singular, um, amidst all of this other stuff. But actually, when you look at all of these different movies of sci, like sci-fi movies that came out that year, they're all pretty remarkably different. Like it's it's weird. So yeah, it's 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 something that like I I just it's so fascinating to me, and I feel grateful that I grew up during it because it ended up like just being such a wonderful time to kind of be able to like discover stuff in this way like i just want to explain it right but like i I, like i hate being old but i'm so grateful that i grew up when i did (laughs) (laughs) i am always jealous of people older than me when i see stuff and i'm just like god this would have been amazing to see in theaters when it came out like i can't even imagine what that would be like and uh, (laughs) Yeah, even now, like, I mean, there's new stuff that comes out, and if I don't catch it in the theater, and then I'm watching it at home, and I'm like, fuck, why didn't I go see this on the big screen? <laughs> and then, you know, they'll release some, re-release something, and uh, you get to see it, and it's just like, you get a taste of what that must have been like, you know, because obviously now you're not seeing an old movie for the first time, usually. 
Um, if you go to see a retrospective, it's because you've already seen it and love it. Um, but yeah, so uh, don't ever be upset about your age. That is time spent learning and seeing great films in a way that people younger than you won't. And that's tragic. Yeah, and it beats the alternative, ultimately. The alternative to what? <laughs> the, the, the alternative to being old is to not being old, which means you're six feet under. So, yeah, true. Sorry, that was like my dad. But joke. if you died when you were 27 <laughs> and famous, at least you get to be like in that club. Uh, that's true. I don't know that I'll yeah. be in that cool of a club, but I'm okay with that, I think. <laughs> a very select club. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, what would you guys rate this movie on a score? five scale score five i would probably go five i am gonna say four and a half just because i like t2 so much better so i can't give this a perfect score (laughs) (laughs) because otherwise i'd have to give uh, you know t2 a six um yeah do it (laughs) <laughs> your rules why is this a problem we, this on is a our scale podcast. of one to we ten can... you are at eleven um yeah. but yeah uh easy four and a half um for oh. me sean what was this movie made for and how much did it make back in 1984 so it had a budget of 6.4 million and that is made... astonishing yeah and made 78.4 million dollars not bad which not bad for nice return on the investment yes (laughs) (laughs) wow i can't believe this movie got made for six million dollars uh wow yeah uh what do you guys think this average score is on letterboxd i'm gonna say like 3.7 maybe oh i'm going for the sweet spot this is a 3.9 i think it is. It is the. It is a perfect movie yeah. according to Letterboxd. It is a three point nine, the mark of all the best films. <laughs> so uh, I was going to say it has a hundred percent Rotten Tomatoes score. So I was like, this is a three point nine. It has to be. <laughs> if, it if it's considered I don't perfect, in your it's a three point nine on Letterboxd. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say if it is considered perfect, three point nine. And if the, if this would not have been in that, I would have discounted your theories. <laughs> <laughs> no, the theory holds true. Yes. Uh, Heather, where can people find you and what are you working on these days? Um, I'm not working on anything that I, I mean, I'm working on the third volume of Monsters Makeup and Effects. I'm also working on another book that should be announced hopefully sometime in May that I can't quite talk about yet, but it's fun. Ah. Um, but yeah, like I'm not doing a whole lot of the day-to-day journalism things right now. I kind of just take them when I want to. Like, I was like, yes, I'm going to cover Scream and sit a few other things out. But um, <laughs> you can't find me. <laughs> yeah, but you can find me over um, on Twitter at The Horror Chick. I'm on Instagram now because that's what, like, I'm supposed to do. I'm not very good at it. I keep forgetting <laughs> to go to Instagram. Um, but I'm on there, too, also at The Horror Chick. Um, and you can find stuff that I write over at DailyDead.com. Awesome. If you want to find us on the socials, we are together on Twitter at Triple M Pod with three M's. I myself am at Just Happy to See You, number two, letter C, letter U. And Sean, they can find you on Twitter at. I am Murph the Smurf, M U R P H T H E S M U R P H. You can find us on Letterboxd at those same ats. And on Instagram, we are at Triple M Pod with three M's. 
And we have a Facebook page, Men Who Like Men Who Like Movies, and group, Men Who Like Men Who Like Movies and You. And if you want to email us about anything that is too long for any of those or whatever, you can email us at men who like men who like movies pod at gmail.com. And that's where you can find us. All right. So what are we watching next week, Clayton? Uh, next week, we will be visiting a, a very different idea of a dystopian future, and we will be talking a lot about surgery. 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 Mm. Yes. We will mm. be discussing Zydrate, Paris Hilton, Repo the Genetic Opera. It's happening next week. Zydrate uh, comes in a little glass vial. A little glass vial? A little glass vial. Little... <laughs> well, you guys had me on for the wrong episode. You probably, I, I couldn't talk your ears off over Repo. <laughs> I mean, who can't just like talk their ears off over Repo? I mean, there's so much to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys, you guys know that I worked, I, I, I worked on the Devil's Carnival movies. Yes, I did not yeah, I know that. that. I forgot. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. My other half uh, actually works with Darren Lynn Bowsman, so. Oh I, wow! I, I did that. I did. Uh, my brain just exploded. Yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I have many okay. Darren stories. <laughs> so when uh, we do the Devil's Carnival, the, we'll have you. We're we're putting you I at the top. Be on, Is that yes. okay? Okay, that sounds awesome. great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, retroactively find out all the deets on Repo because I will talk about Repo as much as anyone lets me talk yeah, about. Yeah, <laughs> so much behind the scenes on Repo from over the years. Oh my gosh, it's ridiculous. <laughs> uh, yes, hey, we were just excited to have you on for the Terminator. We know. Well, thank how you. Much yeah, you I just love talking movie. to you we about movies. It's you. so much fun. <laughs> Yeah, like we can make <laughs> well, this like you. a monthly thing if you ever want to. Just be like, this is this just is talk our about random movies movie in chant. general. <laughs> Guess what? Well, we will me, just talk. Let me get through some deadlines first, and then I can. I can <laughs> right. I'm, I'm yeah, you both are very overworked up. at the moment. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been trying to finish up Craven Craven for like months now, and we're finally back on track to where we're like, okay, we really have to get this done. So we can move on to like our next <laughs> series. Oh yeah, I guess I should t- I should have mentioned I do Craven Craven, which is a podcast dedicated to the works of Wes Craven. So, which is oh out there. sweet, I'll have to check that out. Yeah, yeah, we've been doing it for we started it during COVID lockdown stuff, and uh, yeah, we're uh, next month will be Scream Four, and then we wrap up, and it's been a journey. Oh. So. Yeah, I'm a little sad. But at least we're ending with Scream 4, so I'm happy. Yes, which is phenomenal. Fucking love it. That is my favorite Scream film, by the way. I will just put that on the record. Um, But yeah, please don't forget to give us a a five-star rate or even a review if you have time. It helps so much in the algorithms. Like You have no idea how much it helps. Um, Please be kind to people. Not that hard. Make you feel good. Make them feel good. Make life a little bit easier. Heather, thank you again so much for coming. I really do love talking to you anytime we can. You are so fun yes. to talk about movies with and know so much. It's so fun. I yes, had a blast, so I really appreciate you. coming back. So thank you guys so much. Awesome. Well, All right. Please. Until next time. Bye, everyone. Bye. We'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome for that, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. <laughs>